Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Had a little cry after the football on Sunday. Yeah. Did you? Have any of you guys ever cried at the football? Um, I've cried once when no, Wayne yeah. Bridge scored against Arsenal. But like tears in the Champions League. Have you ever cried tears of joy? No, not tears I've of joy. I've cried twice, but it wasn't joy. I cried at uh, Arsenal Wenger's last game, last home game I thought as Arsenal manager. That, yeah. And I cried uh, when Arsenal's unbeaten run ended at Old Trafford. <laughs> the most unjust <laughs> game. <laughs> we cheated out of that. I've never cried at the football. Never cried. You're a bigger man than all of us, Alex. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Not, not too much sleep um, before the game at uh, the weekend. Lots of beer. And I think the, the stress and strains of the season, it all just came flowing out. It was a release. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful release, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure you weren't the only one. Yeah. No, absolutely not. No, no, no. We'll talk more about the Premier League season shortly. Uh, for now, welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm Dan Burke for this special Barclays season review. I'm joined by Alex Mott. Hello. Lewis Ambrose. Hello. And Phil Costa. Good afternoon. So, Manchester City became the first team in a decade to retain the Premier League title thanks to a 4-2 win at Brighton on the final day. Uh, those hoping for some final day drama will perhaps have been left a little bit disappointed by this game, but it looked like we might have been getting some when uh, Glenn Murray put Brighton in front, didn't it? Did you guys think that maybe maybe it was going to be Liverpool's day at that yeah, point? Yeah, for about a minute, <laughs> I, I did actually think Liverpool might win the league. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, um, but... I, there was just kind of this moment of like, oh wow, it might actually happen. They did look a little bit nervous in the first. Yeah, they didn't in start. The first, well. They didn't really start that well, I didn't think. And then when the goal went in, I don't know. And when Guardiola took his card, <laughs> yeah, that was the moment. That was the time. Thought, blimey! But as soon as Aguero scored, I didn't yeah. think Brian had any chance then. To be yeah. honest, it wasn't quite as uh, quite as dramatic as everyone was hoping. One of the longest then. minutes of your life. <laughs> well, 182 seconds it was. Uh, before Sergio Aguero equalised. City were behind for just 132 minutes in the entire season, That's which crazy. is a Premier League record. And that was the first time they came from behind to win a Premier League match this season. In the entire season? Stuff. In the entire season. Wow. And they Once. never went behind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Behind for 132 minutes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Liverpool, on the other hand, they won 16 points from losing positions this season, so that tells you a bit about the sort of the difference mm. in, a, in approach of the two teams. Um, before we move away from the City game, I just want to talk about Riyad Mahrez. He came in for a lot of criticism from City fans this season, but I think he shut a few people up with that super goal where he sent Lewis Dunk out for a bag of chips. <laughs> Do you think he's going to be a, a big player for City in the future, Phil? I really like Mahrez. I think we should have Arsenal should have signed him as soon as the whole Leicester exodus happened. I mean, my preference was Kante, obviously, but... Mm. Mara's is like quality. It, people forget, have obviously have quick memories in football. You know, it goes week by week, which is fine. It's fair. It's what happens. But yeah, I mean, because he's the record signing for a club like City who splash out whatever money every mm. every year. I think it doesn't really make a difference. So no. he's uh, he's. It's difficult going to from Leicester to City. Like in a season, you've gone from the big fish in a small pond to the complete opposite. So. Just let him let him do his thing, and he's off his right foot as well. Great strike, yeah, yeah. And also, yeah. like a lot of players that go and join Guardiola teams, it's going to take him. It's going to take him a while to really like bed down, yeah. down mm. his place in the system and the way they play. And because I think when he first joined City, 
what he was doing at Leicester was just taking too much time on the ball mm. and too many touches. And obviously Pep likes that transition, doesn't he? That really quick sort of transition. And I think he was slowing the game down a lot during the start of the season. Whereas now, yeah, well, that, I can't remember how many starts he's made, but it's not that many, is it? He's not but, played a minute for like yeah. the last five games or something. So, yeah. so it was a big call to put him in. And he sort of struggled in the Champions League semi-final as well, didn't he? But yeah, he, I mean, he's a class above Brighton, isn't he? So in those sort of games, he's really shows his shows his level I think mm. I think City fans always need to have a boo boy maybe most clubs yeah. are the same but it says something that our boo boy is now a guy who was PFA player of the year <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, elsewhere on the final day Liverpool had a pretty comfortable 2-0 win over Wolves uh, it wasn't enough for the title for them how do you think you would feel as a Liverpool fan after getting 97 points and not winning the league oh you'd be gutted I think I think there's also like there's obviously an element of being really proud and thinking like well we couldn't have done anything else but and I think that's sort of the message that's coming out more I think it's softened by the fact they're in the Champions League finals yeah. they weren't in the Champions League and this was Sunday had happened it would have been their last shot at any trophy this season um, being in the Champions League final is a, is a massive massive boost it means that they've still got an enormous trophy to play for but I just think the league is the one for Liverpool it's been almost 30 it's going to be 30 years now um, since they last won the league and that is just absolutely huge and to get 97 points and not win it you, I would be on the floor mm. it's devastating and I don't I don't see how Liverpool can get any better from this really like City their best player last year was De Bruyne he's hardly played this season <laughs> Fernand- points for, yeah, season. Fernandinho was probably their second best player he's missed like a large part of the second half of the season as well they've had Zinchenko at left back who you wouldn't really say is like properly world class Man City are going to improve probably get a new centre back maybe get a new left back maybe get a new central midfielder I don't really see how Liverpool can it would take Man City to have like a real shocker next mm. season to, for Liverpool to to win it I think so yeah I'd, if I was a Liverpool fan I'd be absolutely absolutely gutted I mm. think but yeah like Lewis said it, if if it wasn't for the Champions League I think it would be properly devastating but they've obviously got Madrid in a few weeks time so that will yeah that will sort of help mm. them help them get over it I think I mean it was a monumental effort from Liverpool 97 points as we say is, there, is it fair to say that they might have blown it a little bit as well I mean they were 7 points clear of City yeah. before they played each other in January I think there's a case for that but it's not often that small slip ups will be punished so harshly um, I mean City had their small blip around Christmas and New Year and then after that they were just like machines you know three points every week hardly conceding any goals scoring three or four every week so it's difficult because as as good as Liverpool are they're still very much the underdogs in this in this story in the, in this race and you know nerves creep in and the players haven't been in this situation before um, so Yes, there is a case for that, but I think it's just an incredible achievement. Mm. And realistically, are any teams ever going to get 97 points and finish second again? Yeah. So. They did win like their last eight games in a row, was it? As yeah. Well? yeah. I think March is the last time they dropped points. So it's not, it's not they've not like got to the line and stumbled. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think they, they could have done anything more. All teams are going to drop points at some point in the season. Liverpool didn't drop points for the last two months and mm. still didn't win the league. 
and also like late the late goals against Newcastle mm-hmm. against Tottenham that's not a team that blows their chances yeah. to cut mm-hmm. to score late goals like that that's the complete opposite that's really, what was so, so weird this year it's like we've seen all these title races before and like the, way back you go to like Newcastle and United going for it and they blew it and if you go back to when Arsenal and United were going for it year on year with each other there were years where either side blew it United in uh, in 98 or Arsenal in 2003 like they they just dropped points to teams they shouldn't be dropping points to I mean Arsenal in 2003 I think lost to uh, Aston Villa and Bolton uh, and Leeds all towards the end of the season or drop points against all those three at least uh, but there wasn't anything like that this year I mean even when Liverpool did drop points the last time they dropped points was away at Everton mm-hmm. it was a derby match they lost away the league at Goodison as the Everton fans. they did apparently <laughs> but yeah and then since then they've beaten Chelsea they've beaten Tottenham uh, they they lost two games maybe they dropped points for a, a, a Everton and at Man United yeah I think which those is, are the it's two. got a sting but yeah. they aren't that's not like an upset you've not Oh, yeah, but when you look at what Man United have become well, yeah. <laughs> over the past few weeks, Liverpool fans are obviously thinking, <laughs> "Oh, we're, like that was the, they were there for taking them, mm. weren't they?" And then there was that Salah chance in the derby mm. away yeah. when he tried to get it on his left foot and just sort of poked it mm. at um, Pickford. But yeah, I, do, I can't. Don't think you can say the Liverpool. Have well, then you could also say, it. you know, if Hugo Lloris doesn't make that mistake, they drop points at Spurs. All that yeah, free goal at. Against you can go, against you can go the other way yeah. as well. If you if you want to talk about Liverpool blowing it, but they'd have won the league if Vincent Company's goal if he did just hit the bar. Mm. Or that shot that John Stones cleared off the line exactly. like millimeters. Exactly. Well, did you see that um, former Premier League referee Keith Hackett was on Twitter yesterday and he was trying to say that the pivotal moment in the title race was when Vincent Company wasn't sent off for the foul on Mo Salah in the game between Liverpool and City on the third mm. of January. For start, I'm still not convinced yeah. that actually was a red card personally. I know I probably would say that, but yeah, it is a bit of a reach isn't it yeah. mm. <laughs> um, Mo Salah ended up with a golden well sharing the golden boot with Sadio Mane and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, all three of them got 22 goals each seems a bit weird that Mo Salah didn't even make the team of the season when you think about it now doesn't it really yeah Salah and did Hazard not make the team of the season mm, as well no, I, think it just, I think it just shows you how much quality there is in the Premier League because mm. then if you, you can't leave out Sterling you can't really leave out Mane mm-hmm. And also, everyone is comparing Salah to how well he did last year. I think that's really of course, the, yeah. Yeah. That's really the only success, reason. isn't he, really? Yeah. Uh, before the final day, there were people suggesting the title race didn't have enough twists and turns to be considered a true classic. Where would you rank it in terms of the great Premier League title races? I think this is the most unique one we've ever had, hasn't it? Two really, really strong teams yeah. with a millimetres between them. I've never literally. seen anything like it. But if you give me this against the, the Man City win the league in 2012, where it looked like City had thrown it away and then Man United threw it away, I would take that every single time. Yeah. Like, that's way more dramatic for me. I think City led, I think except for the Leicester game, I think company scored around 70 minutes. And except for that, City led in, in this 14-game unbeaten run. They led at the hour mark in every single game. Uh, and you, there were obviously tense games, but you never felt like they weren't going to win any of those matches as soon as they got ahead give me last minute goals and people losing games they shouldn't lose over this every single time it's, yeah it's relentless and it's like it's really impressive but I wouldn't yeah it's it's not dramatic or exciting uh, really I, don't, I personally don't think it has been maybe as a City or Liverpool fan I might think yeah. differently <laughs> but they're two amazing teams swatting everything in front of them aside I, yeah I don't really and obviously they're breaking records left right and centre but I don't think that's 
necessarily makes for a dramatic title race, no. really. Do you think the lack of mind games between the two managers sort of... I did think that, actually. It's no very best friendly. It was, it was it? like Too respectful. You know, there was a lot of our respect to Liverpool, respect. It's like, you know, you, you can be mates off the field, but at least give it a bit of, like, <laughs> yeah. something. Uh, I do feel like there was a bit of that lacking, but it's not going to ruin it for me. Yeah. But. You imagine how Ferguson or Mourinho would have reacted yeah, to, yeah. to, like, Klopp blaming the wind. They'd yeah. have gone on about it. Rafa Benitez facts. <laughs> well, I'm sure we've all seen the hidden camera footage of the City players on the plane back from Brighton. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that perhaps shows that this uh, respect was all a bit for the camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Perhaps it was a bit of a needle behind closed doors. Um, when City won the league with 100 points last year, people were saying, well, they can't be considered a truly great Premier League team until they've retained the title. They've retained it now. Surely there's no doubt about it now. Are they the greatest? No, they're rubbish. <laughs> um, are they the great? I don't think they're the greatest. I think I know it's a different competition but I still think they need to get to at least a Champions League final mm. or or win it ideally to be properly considered because I don't know I just don't think so the United treble winning team are the greatest who got 79 points yeah I would fewer than Leicester <laughs> I would say I would actually say United's when they won it three years in a row 07, 08, 09 yeah. I'd say they're probably the best team that I've yeah seen. they did win the Champions League as well yeah. Yeah. I would say they're probably the best I just, and also the quality of the Premier League at the moment, I just don't think is, that has to be taken into consideration. Yeah, I think that's true. The bottom half are just not very good. Mm. Well, the top teams are just so much better. Like the gap is just growing. I think think that's actually pretty true just for football generally. Like you just have more good players everywhere. I think the the Arsenal uh, Invincibles would beat the 99 United team. I think United 2008-9 team would probably beat the Invincibles and I think City's team now would beat that United team. Mm, It just goes that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the greatest ever then right <laughs> <laughs> I mean the most impressive aspect from City for me was that they won their last 14 games on the trot I mean every one of those games I was shitting myself <laughs> they won them all it's remarkable that isn't it it's mental it is it is and it is amazing they just did not blink no but again who really put up maybe because they couldn't but who put up a fight really Leicester off the top of my head of those 14 games Burnley there was Burnley was Burnley yeah I just there was no at no point did you think they're going to drop points here yeah. which is which obviously says something about how good City were but I think it also says something about I mean I always think with City if they if City play well they will win they'll win most yeah. of the yeah. games if yeah. they don't play well then they possibly won't they'll probably win. still win <laughs> they might do yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah they, they play pretty well in all of those games so what about Guardiola as in terms of the, the, the Premier League managerial greats I mean we were just saying before we went on air that one of our colleagues in the office was uh, celebrating Brighton's goal a little bit calling Pepper bald fraud at the weekend <laughs> like when is this tag ever going to leave him what's he got to do for people to just acknowledge that or do people acknowledge it and now they're just sort of, you know, not quite willing I to think, accept it? I think it's like not a, not even a Guardiola thing. I think it's a football thing. Like it, it dominates this Messi-Ronaldo thing. Guardiola, Mourinho, not Mourinho so much anymore, but Klopp maybe. It's like you, you have to have a favourite and if he's not your favourite or if you don't like the way that the team plays, then everything about him is bad suddenly. Yeah. It's how it feels. Like yeah. everything is either the best thing ever or terrible. Um, and Guardiola is obviously much closer to one end of that scale than the other. Uh, in terms of the Premier League, I know I, Sir Alex Ferguson's longevity—you just can't look past it. The the way that Man United teams were destroyed, like taken apart and then rebuilt over and over again. Uh, 
yeah I don't know I don't know I think we're a bit obsessed with ranking these sort of things <laughs> but you would put you would have to put Guardiola right there like with anyone else below Ferguson now I've said on this podcast before but the way you should rate managers is how much they improve players mm-hmm. and I don't think there's any manager better than improving players than Pep Guardiola mm-hmm. you just got to look at how well Sterling's done this year he's become properly world class probably top five players in the world and he wouldn't I I think he'd be good but I think without Guardiola's coaching I don't think he'd be that good and you can say that for plenty of players across the squad as well so is he the greatest Premier League manager of all time I'd probably say not just because of Alex Ferguson's longevity mm. but if he stays at City for another five years and he wins the league every single season then <laughs> yeah I would say so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm interested how you guys sort of feel about what's happened at City over the last few years as neutral fans, you know, talking about the money, the, the Abu Dhabi sort of thing, the financial fair play allegations. Where do you, where do you stand on it all? Honestly. I mean, where... Obviously, it's, it's... You'd prefer teams not to be bankrolled with infinite resources because... From a sovereign state, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I mean, in, straight away the playing field is is already tilted in City's favour for that. Um, but this is just football, you know. It's it happened to Chelsea, it's happened to City now, it's happened to PSG. But I'd say the di- what the difference is, and what is impressive about City is they've had a plan, and they've had a plan yeah, from day one. Absolutely, they built they built the club around getting Guardiola. But if he leaves, I've no doubt that they've got enough people in behind the scenes that can make it work and make the club like mm. say brilliant and that is the complete opposite to what PSG are doing they're just buying shiny things mm-hmm. for ridiculous money mm. and it's you know not working for them I mean obviously they're winning the league on but not mm. the, the true goal is obviously the Champions League for them so that as much as you can not like where the money's coming from and it is obviously not great mm. <laughs> you can't deny that they've got a plan in place and they're implementing it and that's I think that's probably the biggest compliment you can really pay to yeah. the, the football people there anyway mm-hmm. I'd say. I was saying to a friend at the weekend that I feel as a City fan that City's success is stained and that's different from tainted tainted implies that there's some sort of internal thing that prevents me from enjoying it it doesn't prevent me from enjoying it but I can understand why other people yeah. will never yeah. give it the perhaps the respect that the football and achievement deserves because of everything else that's gone on yeah. off the pitch So, what yeah. concerns me more is this plan to sort of take over you know they're dropping mm. clubs in South America yeah. China mm. You know, it'll be the US, obviously, as well. And, you know, they're going to build an academy in London to try and lure all the, the, the attacking talent from London or whatever talent from London. Then it's going to be, you know, camps in Asia. It's just slowly building up to be this sort of empire. And yeah. that concerns me more than them just steaming the league every year. Um, and how that develops over the next five years, who knows? But I think that's a bit more ominous mm. than than anything they've done in the last since they were taken over. Yeah, obviously they've got this financial fair play uh, breach allegation hanging over them. There's talk in the New York Times this week that they could be banned from the Champions League. Is that something that you can see happening? I've I've not got any faith in the UEFA or footballing's governing bodies no. to follow through on threats like that. I see, think, I think, I think it could happen. I, yeah. th- I definitely think it could happen. 
but a, a part of me is just like well why the hell has it taken this long when we've got City you've got Chelsea you've got PSG and we've had these clubs for all these years Monaco went through something similar if if it's going to happen now then fine but I feel like it's it's actually just too late to stem the tide at this point mm. there's so much talk about a European Super League emerging if anything I think banning a couple of the real big players in European football would only advance yeah. the push towards a, a, a Super League outside of UEFA um, so I think it's probably too little too late if mm. it does happen I mean my issue with this this football league stuff is you know if City have proven to be on reasonable doubt to have broken the rules punish them however you see fit fine let's have a look at every club's emails uh-huh. let's see what every club's up to because I bet there's, there's all sorts of stuff like this going on yeah I feel like I feel like there probably isn't a major European club that hasn't broken rules like this now, like the transfer ban that Chelsea are facing as well uh, for signing underage players. Which City could also face from FIFA as well, so that's another thing. So I think think all of the major clubs, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, have already faced punishments for that. Yeah, I I think everybody's breaking the rules to an extent. You can't just punish the people that are that are breaking the rules to the largest extent mm. to make an example of them the, yeah you have to go through everybody if you're going to pu- start punishing these clubs you have to go through all of them and give out all of the the sufficient bans and transfer bans and whatever you like yep well we'll move on from City now uh, move down the table have a look at some of the other Premier League teams uh, Chelsea finished third they'll be back in the Champions League next season they've got the Europa League final to come that's got to be considered a good season hasn't it overall after all the talk about Sarri and stuff this yeah I'd say so I think he's been uh, not really given much of a chance I mean the thing with Chelsea they're used to just winning however it takes that they're not used to a manager coming in and having a philosophy a playing style they're just more than happy to recycle managers every couple of years win while they're there however it however they do it so it's been a bit of a change for the whole culture of the club um, which I don't think they've taken too well I think this 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 sort of stuff needs patience and this is a club notorious for, for not having exactly that so on the surface it seemed like an odd fit anyway but I think he's done a perfectly reasonable job especially after a huge wobble around the new year mm. um, but Hazard obviously is, is trying to give them a goodbye present <laughs> yeah. so I think that's helped them a lot as well if, if Sarri stays this would be the first time since Abramovich has taken over that a manager hasn't won the league and has stayed in the job for really? the season wow. so that sort of says what it's been like yeah. for, for that club it's, it's always been boom and bust well since Abramovich has been there I personally think Sarri's done a great job I don't really I mean the way he's gone about things the hudson Adoy sort of saga earlier on in the season same with Loftus-Cheek not really giving him that much game time that weird thing around February where literally every game it was Kovacic for Barkley or Barkley for Kovacic mm. it's sort of I know he's got a way, a way of playing and a style of play but sometimes you do need to be a little bit adaptable and I think Chelsea fans have grown frustrated with his sort of how dogmatic he's been about the way he wants to play but they're in the Champions League they could win a European trophy I, I don't know whether it, in some ways it would just be best if he goes because the fans don't really like mm. him 
and I don't think Europa League is going to change that but then who's going to come in and if they do have this transfer ban sort of upheld who, who's going to, what manager is going to want to come in and not be able to sign players mm. for two years they're probably looking at Lampard and Jody Morris at Derby I think it's probably a year too early for them mm. so I, I personally would stick with him for another year but is it going to get so toxic again next year that it's sort of untenable I'd, yeah, I don't know there were so many parallels between his first season at City and Pep's first season his first season at Chelsea and Pep's first season at City I think um, he only got four fewer points than Pep got in his first season at City in the end right. so it's not been yeah. it's not been bad at all really but yeah, yeah I, well you mentioned this boom and bust cycle of Chelsea managers they've, and they've never had like this is how Chelsea play like you, yeah. City play a certain way Liverpool play a certain way uh, Arsenal under Wenger played a certain way Chelsea have never had like it, it would just chop and change depending on who the next manager was if they ever want to escape that boom and bust and have like a Chelsea way of playing they have to keep Surrey and also Chelsea aren't money Chelsea anymore Abramovich yeah. hasn't got the, well he has got the bottomless pit of cash but he's not spending it on Chelsea because he well he's had his UK citizenship uh, visa taken away um, so he hasn't been in the country mm. since about all, since about September I think so yeah he's not putting all that money to Chelsea like he used to which means they are going to have to instead of buying their way into success they're going to have to find a philosophy that they want to adopt I mean I think they should personally keep keep Sarri but yeah do they does Abramovich think that yeah. who knows well, it looks almost certain that Eden Hazard is going to be leaving um, I think it was the keep the other day was saying that he's going to sign for Real Madrid mm-hmm. the day after the Europa League final 100 million euros um, his replacement is going to be Christian Pulisic a guy you've watched a lot of Dortmund Lewis mm-hmm. is he is he going to be a good fit for Chelsea he's going to make, make a good impact in the Premier League do you think he's not Eden Hazard well, yeah. <laughs> I, I think actually that Pulisic is perfect for English football and for Sarri as well to play as a, as a winger in, in Sarri's system he's had a really rough year at Dortmund I think it's a little bit been very difficult to see Jadon Sancho as well and Sancho's kind of taken his place as the the rising star and Pulisic has then sort of played rarely or played off the bench and not really impressed he's actually played really well in his last few games for Dortmund which I think he looked like that was something that that was really important to him to to leave on a high note Um, but yeah I think it's the perfect time for him to leave Dortmund I think he's probably reached where he's going to reach with the club and I think we're going to see the best, certainly the best American that's ever played in English football. Arguably, probably already the best American talent that's ever played football at a high level in Europe. Um, Better than Clint Dempsey? Well, I'll find out. Yeah, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm no Chelsea fan by any means, but I'm quite excited to see Pulisic playing in the Premier League, playing under Maurizio Sarri. I just hope people don't yeah. expect him to like, replace yeah. Eden Hazard. Like you said, he's not Hazard. Nobody can yeah. nobody can replace. Mm. Like you're, you're talking about like two or three players in the world, not a 20 year old that's that's just had a bit of an iffy season in Germany. He's not going to come in and replace Hazard. Um, but the idea of seeing Pulisic and Hudson Odoi on opposite wings is actually pretty exciting, yeah. just as a football fan, I think. Mm. Uh, moving down to fourth uh, was where Spurs finished in the end they've of course made it to the Champions League final as well given their lack of transfer activity the situation with the stadium move I think it's fair to say Pochettino's done a pretty incredible job this season right? I mean he's just he's just a brilliant manager mm. there's no two ways about it now obviously people say what has he won what has he won 
I mean, really, come on. Yeah. He's working with nothing. He's like what Alex said earlier. You can judge a manager on how they improve players. And can you look at anyone in that team, apart from maybe Kieran Trippier, that has regressed this season? No. no. Musa Sissoko's turnaround has been incredible. You know, Lucas Moura had a difficult six months last season, but he's come up with some crucial goals. Son, brilliant. Ali maybe hasn't hit the heights that he has before, but I mean, people forget how young he is. I mean, this this team is not a world-class team, but as a unit, Pochettino has them playing like that. And you know someone just needs to come and take him because I'm sick of it really <laughs> United what are you doing well I was going to ask if yeah. there's any, any chance of him leaving this summer um, there's been a few rumours about Juventus this week again United I think it, yeah, it would just, you never know if they if for whatever reason Levy doesn't put his hand in his pocket then I think yeah, like, his sort of position will be mm. untenable again like uh, untenable he's they haven't signed anyone in two windows yeah. it's ridiculous mm. and he's got them back into the Champions League into a final I think it's absolutely incredible what he's doing but they've got to kick on I know they've spent a lot of money on the stadium but they have to find new players because you've seen they've lost 14 games this season which is far too many and and in another season with a better Man United and maybe a better Arsenal they wouldn't be in the Champions mm. League so they've got to kick on they've got to find some new players they've looked absolutely shot in the last few months and that's purely down to the lack of rotation that yeah depth is a huge issue yeah. for them because mm-hmm. their their 11 is, is brilliant but you look beyond that and it's it's not special I mean the striker situation is a, is a big one for them mm. this year um, I, I saw they might sign Ryan Sessegnon which, yeah. which is a very Spurs signing I was thinking yeah. that as well yeah. Um, but yeah I think another the whole spine needs to be built up a bit this mm. summer and especially if you consider Alderweireld is probably still mm-hmm. going to leave yeah. just for 25 million mm-hmm. uh, the, the stadium's cost them a billion pounds yeah. I, I don't know how they're going to they have to spend but I don't know how they're going to find no. the money so they're going to have to sell players well being in the Champions League final is going to give that them what, 100 million alone so uh, but yeah that's how they reinvest Christian that Christian Eriksen has one year left on his contract mm-hmm. if he doesn't sign they're going to have to find a club to sell him to and they're not in the strongest position to demand a massive fee for him and they're going to have to spend really intelligently what whatever they are willing to spend they're going to have to do it really really well because they can't afford to not, not do they, that basically. if they lose Pochettino which I don't think will happen this summer no I think he'd, I think he'd give it one more year having made the Champions League final he, the they, if they win well. the Champions League there's every chance that he just turns around and says well there's nothing else it's not that getting anyone can do yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but I, I don't expect him to leave this summer I think he'll probably do one more year there but if he does another year next year they don't reach the Champions League final they they scrape to the top four again or don't finish in the top four there's no way he's going to stick around yeah. and I think as soon as he leaves then a couple of the players might go as well I just find it incredible how Real Madrid Bayern Munich and Manchester United all needed managers and none of them went for him you know like really went for it yeah I mean what is there like he signed a six year deal was it and they're talking about 30 million to to buy him out of his contract essentially mm. but that's pocket change Man United will pocket spend that on a, a centre back who will sit on the bench yeah. that's a half of Fred <laughs> yeah well yeah. and they gave 8 million to Mulder yeah. for Solskjaer yeah. so just do it worth yes. every penny yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, will Arsenal finish fifth in the end your boys was it as you expected this season under Emery was it a disappointment um, what do you think 
I don't know. I, I the first six months for me personally were a write-off. I think there was a there were a lot of issues both on and off the pitch for him to deal with, and he's been dealt a difficult hand. Um, that being said, there have been some problems uh, with how he sets his side up, how he manages certain profiles within the squad. Um, there's, we were speaking about Chelsea earlier. There's no real style. Mm. You, you, we know pretty much the strongest eleven now, but you, you can't look at the team and say, "Oh, this is how they're going to play." I mean, it's pretty much just hope Aubameyang and Lacazette can score uh, via a Kolasinac cross. Mm. That's been our main route to goal for about eight months now. So, but this team needs a lot of work. Um, there's old players on too much money. We haven't got any money to buy any players anyway, yeah. so uh, it's not been easy. Um, but that being said, I think the last few weeks of the season aside, he's done reasonably well, uh, particularly in the big games, mm. which was a huge problem for Arsenal. So this, I think the Europa League final is going to be massive, isn't it? I was listening to David Ornstein, BBC guy last night, saying that if they don't get Champions League football, their budget for this summer is £40 million. Mm. I mean, that isn't... That's going that's to buy you one one decent player now. If that, yeah. So, and if and and but then if they get the champ, if they win the Europa League and get Champions League football, then their budget might go up to about 120, mm. 100. So this this game is going to be absolutely huge against Chelsea in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Absolutely massive for them. What has impressed you with Emery's season? What do you think he? What do you think he's let himself down, Lewis? He's he's really let himself down the last two months in the league. Arsenal had a really rough winter and then got themselves in the driving seat to finish in a Champions League spot and then took one point from home games against Brighton and Crystal Palace. You just want a win from one of those two games and Arsenal would have been in the Champions League next season without needing to win the Europa League final. Um, it, it took him a little while to figure out that the Arsenal have two really good strikers and a terrible defence <laughs> so just play the two strikers up front and hope they score more than the other team <laughs> sometimes it really is that simple if your two best players play up front don't put one of them on the bench don't put one of them on the wing figure out a system to just play two strikers Mustafi's going to screw up anyway so you're going to have to score at least two goals just do it um, I do I do think he's figured that out now like the the Europa League games against Valencia Aubameyang and Lacazette were both incredible and just dragged the whole team well, they over the line they scored or assisted every, yeah. every goal seven goals yeah. and, and they were it was, every single one of them was them um I think the I think the the big thing that Arsenal fans can kind of take from this season is the big games Arsenal have played well well Arsenal have not disgraced themselves in any of the big games except Liverpool away which the last few years it's felt like they're going to disgrace themselves mm -hmm. every time they play a big game away from home yeah. and uh, at home those games have been impressive as well I think that was something that was still kind of there under Wenger but they were they were better this year in those home games against Spurs against Chelsea against United one or draw with Liverpool as well Man City was on the first day of the season mm -hmm. so I think we can just write that off completely um and then it's the other games. It's the games against Brighton and Crystal Palace at home and when Arsenal go to those clubs as well. It's the form on the road. Arsenal have won one, I think, of the last eight or nine away games. It was at Watford. They scored because Ben Foster cleared the ball into Aubameyang. <laughs> yeah. Watford played 80 minutes. Well, they won at Burnley minutes. on the last day as well. Then, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Then after that, they won at Burnley, obviously, on the last day of the season. So I think there's... 
the the positive to, is that it's very obvious where Arsenal need to improve. They need to beat the the lesser sides in the league more convincingly. They need to be able to respond to going behind, and they need to be a bit better on the road. Figuring those problems out is probably a bit more tricky, but at least you know where you have to improve, mm-hmm. and and that's a good start, I think. Well, a man who's got a lot of problems to figure out over the summer is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> Just when you thought Manchester United season couldn't get any worse, they were beaten at home by relative, relegated Cardiff on the final day. Is there any way, Alex, you can see Solskjaer turning this around at United? Is there no. any way it's going to be a success? No, I've yeah, no, basically in a word. <laughs> I just they're a mess. That the, then Cardiff just sort of summed it up completely. They're just an absolute nonsense at the back. Nobody cared. I know that's quite an easy thing to say, but it was just a joke the mm. way they played. They just opened up by one of well, one of the worst teams in the Premier mm. League. So I just the whole club at the moment is just a complete joke. I think you look at like well, just going back to when Solskjaer was appointed which I think is quite a good crystallisation of what they are now as a club. They did it when it was an international week because they mm. knew it'd be good for headlines. Mm. And and Edward just seems obsessed with PR rather than getting results on the pitch. And he's obviously very good at making money for the club, but I don't, I don't really see how he can stay in his role when they've had seven, seven years now of just complete... One disaster after another mm. on the pitch. I just... That there's absolutely no way that they'll win the league again in the next four or five years and I don't see how they're going to get back in the Champions League so definitely not next year or, or the year after they need someone above Solskjaer who's got a plan has good contacts good at negotiating because Man United are obviously still a draw but the top players now are not going to go why would Kaladu Koulibaly go to Man United unless they're going to offer him stupid money mm. and that's which they could which they, they could they could do but then you risk that's make, how they got here though yeah like, but you yeah you risk yourself making yourself look stupid like they have with Sanchez and you know, Koulibaly is probably a bad example of that but there are you know there are they're going to be put in a position where they can't offer Champions League football so they've got to offer twice the money we were saying Philip Coutinho on the way to the yeah office. exactly Potential, yeah it's got PSG written all over yeah. or United written all over so I just think they're they're only going to be a draw for so long, and I think that time is running out because they and they need a massive restructure, absolutely huge. I w- and I'll be honest, I wouldn't be su- I wouldn't be that surprised if they got rid of Solskjaer over the summer. Mm. If Pochettino was available, say he left Tottenham, they won the Champions League. I wouldn't be surprised if they just fell on their sword and went for Pochettino. But would Pochettino be stupid to take that job in the current? Well, yeah, the current guys. I think he'd take it. I think he'd relish the idea of building a fallen giant back to their former heights and all, and all these top managers they're top managers because they back themselves because they think they have the ego that they can make players and clubs better mm. that's why Mourinho took the job and he didn't obviously that didn't work mm. but that's why he took the job so I yeah I personally I mean I would get rid of Solskjaer and I'd think they might if if a brilliant coach like Pochettino was available over mm-hmm. the summer but having said that it's not it's not going to change anytime soon without a proper director of football and a, like a restructure behind the scenes well the director of football the latest name in the frame for that is Darren Fletcher <laughs> which is former ridiculous. United player I, mean, I don't want to throw the guy under the bus before he's even got started but surely 
you've it's got just a joke. Done this it's job ridiculous. And knows what they're doing. It's absolutely Sorry. ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I get like the link to the past is great, and Ajax is sort of doing it with Andersar and Overmars and blah blah blah. But they've had like a few years of training before then go. Like they've basically been interns at Ajax for two years, and now they've got the role. You can't just throw Darren Fletcher in charge of the, the third biggest club but in the world. He gets the club. It's, it's just the United it's way. Ridic- <laughs> it is ridiculous. It's in the CNA. <laughs> Yeah, he bleeds red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all bleed red. Ed. <laughs> I don't know if you saw. There was a rumor. I think it was the Mirror uh, last night was saying that Solskjaer apparently wants to sell Anthony Marshall this summer, and Joel Glazer has stepped in and said, "No, you can't sell him because he's our Pele." <laughs> what Graziano Pele? Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're finishing just below United for Wolves in seventh. Um, how impressed have you uh, have you been with them overall this season? Uh, there's a lot of talk of being the best newly promoted. Premier League team ever I think that's probably quite fair isn't it yeah Wolves have been amazing they lost twice to Huddersfield which is a bit rubbish yeah but um, but except for that yeah they've been unbelievable they've they've beaten all of the top six across all competitions I, I don't know like where to even begin if we're going to start praising them they're really good at the back Jota and Jimenez are really great to watch when they go forward they get Johnny and, and Doherty involved from wing back Moutinho and Neves have been really really strong in the middle of the park I, I thought Joel Moutinho's legs were going to be gone when he came over to England mm. and he does more defensive work than Ruben Neves he's been unbelievable um, it's probably because Neves is the young one and he scores these spectacular goals he's got a lot of credit but I think Joel Moutinho's probably or possibly been even better than him this season mm. um yeah, I don't. I don't know. When we talk about the gap between the top six and everybody else, I just fear that there's just a ceiling, and Wolves have come up, and then just immediately. Well, I I, I can honestly see Wolves. If Man United keep going the well, way they're yeah. going, I can see Wolves in the top six next year. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been and what has really helped them this year is the consistency of selection Connor Cody's played every minute of every game uh, I think it was training ground guru on Twitter was saying that they've had six injuries all season which is crazy yeah. I mean you know every club's got that every week so that's obviously really good like preparation behind the scenes a little bit of luck as well but they've recruited well Nuno's got a proper system they're good to watch they've got a really you know, great stadium with a great crowd I, th- I can honestly see them finishing top six next year. Mm. What it. happens with that picking the same team every week when they're in the Europa League next year? Though? Yeah, that's true. That is true. If, it's, if Manchester City win the FA Cup. Yeah. What, don't Watford go in? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that is true. I mean, I think if you had if you had to think of a manager who could deal with that, it would be Nuno. I think they probably do need to bolster the squad a little bit this summer. But... <laughs> They bought well. They since the Chinese owners have yeah, taken yeah. over, they've bought really, really well. Obviously, it's a bit a bit dubious as to how they're doing it. But and there's magic just <laughs> yeah. sprinkled over there. They, the they definitely have the right contact. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I can absolutely 100 percent see them finishing top six next year, which is amazing. They've yeah, they've been brilliant this year, all year as well. Mm-hmm. And just below them was Everton in eighth place. Marco Silva came in for a bit of criticism uh, over the season. He seemed to get his shit together towards the end. Can you see them kicking on next year, Phil, and maybe being the team to mount the assault on the top six I have no idea I think Everton are such a they're like a self they like pain Everton (laughs) they're like happy masochistic yeah I feel like they're at their best when they're in pain um (laughs) 
<laughs> so they'll spend money. I mean, they're not poor uh, with Farhad Mashiri. They're not poor. Uh, and you saw last year with, you know, Richarlison, all these guys. I, I think they've probably lost out on Andre Gomez now, which is a shame for them. But Bernard's been a good, a good positive. Lucas Dean as well. Lucas Dean has been a really, a really good signing. Yerry Mina's why they spent 30 million on him I never know but he scored a few headers at the World Cup mm. but I mean the nucleus is there for them to to maybe hit seventh but I never I never can never see them breaking through into the top mm. six I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens now because with Marco Silva in in England anyway there's never been that like third yeah. bit of because he's done really well at clubs then done badly and then been sacked mm-hmm. whereas he's gone through that bad period which they had sort of after Christmas and they and he, they sort of kicked on towards the end mm. so I'll be really interested to see if they can like yeah like say yeah. add some more over the summer and then kick on again for the start of next season but it's yeah. so funny how the mood of a club can change like Everton could have got the exact same points but if you just put like that middle bit of their season at the end everyone would be miserable yeah. now mm-hmm. saying he should yeah, be sacked yeah. mm-hmm. and put you just the middle bits in the middle and then the they've had like this sort of comeback on a high the last couple of months and everyone's like oh come on next season get it get it here already it's going to be great yeah, yeah. up the toffees and of course they won the Liverpool didn't win the Lee trophy so that was a, <laughs> a, a huge, uh, huge day out for them wasn't it as well yeah. <laughs> uh, next on the table Leicester uh, Brendan Rodgers looked like he really got them pointed in the right direction during a short time in charge um, you know again can they kick on next season or, or is there a bit of a problem with this you mentioned the sort of glass ceiling there Lewis of with financial fair play and things like that can these teams realistically expect to be any better than they actually are I think you have to work really really smart smarter than any of the top clubs and we already talked about Liverpool and Tottenham kind of for what they spend punching above their weight or what they can spend against the teams that they're competing with so Liverpool going toe to toe with City and Spurs finishing with Chelsea and above Arsenal and United they're already sort of overperforming so these clubs are going to have to even outthink the way those clubs are working to make up that extra ground and Leicester have been I think I was saying someone the other day I can't remember if it was one of you guys but we said like this Leicester team is probably better than the Leicester team that won the league Yeah, I think they'd beat the yeah, Leicester probably. team that won the league but the, the top six clubs have taken well and Man United have like Leicester won the league and it's just like they they went like well this is never happening again we're going to invest properly from now on we're not just going to waste money we're going to do things the way they should be done Um, and I think that's how this gap has just grown and grown and grown if anyone we talk about Wolves talk about Everton but I think if anyone's best place to challenge the top six I would probably say actually is Leicester they've got the best manager I would say I think so too yeah. I think for they've got the best manager like for winning regularly and not just like upsetting the big boys uh, I think they've got mostly a young team as well but then the worry is if they can keep players because that's the other thing as soon as these players have one good year Ben Chilwell's going to be wanted Harry Maguire last year was already wanted James Madison's had one year in the Premier League and you can say you can already see like Liverpool going for him or if if Tottenham do sell Christian Eriksen Mm -hmm. this summer him replacing I can easily see him as Mm -hmm. sort of a a target to replace Christian Eriksen at Spurs and then suddenly they get knocked back down 10 10 places and they have to rebuild half the team all over again and like with key players as well so I think I can see them challenging but I, I just can't see it being more than ever being more than just a one year thing where a team will challenge the, 
the top six and then have three or four players nabbed and have to start all over again, basically. Mm. And they've just hired that Lee Congleton from Celtic, yeah. which I think, yeah. which I think Celtic were very pleased with yeah. so, as their sporting director. Leicester's so recruitment the last few years has, has been, been great. really good. Why would you yeah. hire a new head of recruitment? So it's going to be a really interesting summer for them. with Brendan Rodgers. Well, yeah. <laughs> West Ham finished the season slap bang in the middle of the table is that about what you expected from them Phil really yeah I mean they're no I mean they've got some decent players they do well. got a they do coach but again you just can't really see them being better than that any time I think in another know. league they might finish top six maybe but I just I just feel like they're so hot and cold like yeah. you'd never if you were a betting man you'd never you'd stay well away from West Ham because you just don't know what I mean they could go away to Bournemouth and win 5-0 and then lose to Cardiff at home the next week it's mm. just I think Pellegrini is a decent coach I don't think he's amazing and this, the squad they've got Philippe Anderson Issa Diop has been good at, at centre-back Fabianski is a great keeper but I, I, I don't th- I feel like for Bilic for example they had a better squad you know mm. over the years we've seen them have better squads and this I, I just feel like 8-12 to 12 is is their range but um, I think he's really like steadied the ship has, West Ham yeah, are a yeah. complete soap opera normally mm-hmm. aren't they and with the whole stadium thing over the past few seasons and their owners they need someone who is just like Pellegrini just to I mean, like yeah, fans rolling on the pitch punching the exactly so to have <laughs> someone like him in charge I think is yeah. really helpful um, so I, I, yeah, I don't think they should get rid of him by any stretch but. would Mark Noble still start games in any Premier League <laughs> well, yeah, he's yeah. going to yeah. start for, Matt, for West Ham in 2015 <laughs> like, a skeleton in midfield yeah. uh, Watford finish 11th they're of course in the FA Cup final against City this weekend I think Jamie Gracia made a few of us eat our words this mm, yeah I certainly had him as the uh, yeah. favourite to be sacked I mean, now Pochett Tino, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wolf those words down quite quickly. Uh, no, I, he's done really well, and I think it's a similar one with Wolves. They've had a real like consistency of selection there, and I mean, who'd have thought Harry Gracia would be the man to take Watford into mm. the FA Cup final and into steady mid-table? But yeah, I've been really, really impressed with them, and he's sort of like like we said about good coaches. He's really got the best out of Troy Deeney, and the, you know, their spines really. Ben Foster's playing some of the best football, mm. goalkeepers playing some of the best football he's played in a long Dan time. Dan looking really good for them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, the, the two in well. midfield, as Decore, well. yeah, and Capu, so, yeah, yeah, they're solid. Really, I just yeah. They were never going down at any point, were they? So I think they've, that's all you can hope for. They've been in that for. group all season of like West Ham, Everton, Leicester and Wolves. And I think we just named a few good, really good players. But I think Watford have by far the worst squad of those teams. And they've sort of just been with that yeah. group of teams all season. I think it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Any chance of them beating City at Wembley on nah. Saturday, do you reckon? No. No. If they do, there is a small subplot to this this final. If they do, that would mean United will begin their season on the 25th of July, oh, the Europa League qualifiers. So the International Champions Cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to be playing Spurs in Shanghai that day, so no they have chance. to cancel their pre-season plans. So that would maybe be a they'll small... just hope not to play the Europa League yeah. like they yeah. did with the uh, with the FA Cup. That'd be a small silver lining for City if they do lose this weekend. Uh, in 12th was Crystal Palace. Do you think their biggest challenge this summer is going to be keeping hold of Wilfred Sahar? Yeah, Surely, yeah, he's, yeah he's definitely. Got to be I think they're either going to sell him or 
Wan Bissaka. Zaha's the one that said he wanted to go. I think I honestly think Zaha's one of the best players outside the top six. I think he's absolutely quality. He was involved in every goal at the weekend against Bournemouth. I think he's class. I think you could easily sell him for 60, 70 million and mm. someone would snap your hand off. They've had a bit of a weird season, Palace, because you, you expect them to be brilliant at home. At Selhurst, Selhurst Park's a great atmosphere. I think they've won five home games all season. Mm. But their away forms have been amazing. They're they, like the fifth, their fifth, fifth best away points, form, yeah. yeah. So if they can revert, if they can sort of make their home form good for next season, I could easily see them again sort of finishing top half. But I think if you're sort of glass half empty I don't think their away form is going to be quite as good next season so yeah I'll be interested to see how long Roy Hodgson's got there to be honest because I think they've got a good squad and they've spent a bit of money and if they if they get this Zaha money and spend it wisely probably get another striker maybe keep Batshuayi after his loan that would be that would be good for them but um yeah, they're, a, they're they're just a mid-table side, aren't they? I didn't ever yeah. see them getting relegated. That's kind of mission mission accomplished for Hodgson. Yeah, they took over. They were a shambles, weren't they? Yeah, he's sort of. He's consistently got them as a mid-table team now. Uh, next in the table is Newcastle. Um, obviously, their biggest challenge this summer is going to be keeping all the raffle Benitez. Do you think he's going to? He's going to stay. I call him Raffle Benito. <laughs> <laughs> might, might be a bit of a raffle yeah. about keeping all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I I do think he'll stay. I don't. Newcastle. I think we always we often forget what a massive club Newcastle is. There's definitely no club bigger than Newcastle going to come and offer him a job. Um, yeah, it's just horrible, horrible conditions. But one with a better owner might offer him a yeah, job. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the problem. I I think Newcastle in this might be a little bit lucky that Rafa Benitez just doesn't have the like the style of football, the kind of press conference charisma that sort of when any jobs come up that a club will be like Rafa Benitez is the man that we have to go and get to take over uh, so I do think he'll stay and but yeah I, talking about Newcastle is just a bit sad isn't it yeah. really I think they'll be out they'll just be complete mutiny if they don't keep him mm. they have to keep him if they don't I think he's done a brilliant job with the whole PR war. Yeah, you know. He's, yeah, he's, he's played been, it very he's well. Played yeah. his so whatever happens, I think he's covered his back. Um, you know, if he extends, he can he can be like, I love this. You know, I, I want to build something here. I've, I've really grown on Newcastle, and if he leaves, and it's just all on Ashley. So it, it, he's covered himself really well. But I think he'll stay. Uh, it's just money. Money's the issue. When they're talking about struggling to find the pocket change for Salomon Rondon, then. It's yeah. not looking great. That's I mean, they just broke the million, I think, yeah, they just broke the transfer record. That was what was it, Michael Owen? Yeah, it was sixty million. Two thousand five. I mean, yeah. That's crazy. Fourteen years in this climate. I mean, it's it's mad. But yeah. I think he he enjoys being there. They love him, so it just makes sense. I think he got a bit unlucky with um, Longstaff's injury. Yeah, in February or March, yeah, whatever that really was, and he was yeah. looking really good. And they've sort of dipped slightly, but. That front three of Perez, Rondon, and Almiron looks really exciting. So if they can tr- keep them, it might be difficult. Look, and Perez might be off. The yeah, well, I also Perez. Yeah. Uh, just behind Newcastle on the table is Bournemouth. They're going to be playing their uh, fifth consecutive season of Premier League football next year. That's pretty mad, isn't it? To think that Bournemouth have been yeah. half a decade in the Premier League now. Like we were saying with West Ham about if you're a better man stay clear yeah. West Ham if you're a better man stay clear of Bournemouth because they're so like schizophrenic <laughs> yeah. like, what? they're good until they're not yeah. do you know what I mean it's, it's good, sometimes go, in the same game yeah exactly it can go either way with that. I didn't realise that they finished so low because I just always see I didn't realise they finished so high yeah. to be honest <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know I, sometimes I just feel like uh, it seems like they're always doing well but I don't know I think they 
they get to a certain they peak very early in the season and they just sort of sleepwalk until the end of the season which is fine I mean you know, they're not, they're no huge. But it seems club. like a pressure-free th- environment as well. Yeah, yeah. I think this this goes back to what we were saying earlier on about how bad the Premier League can be at times. Bournemouth kept, like, between January and March, they just kept losing games and they didn't go down the table yeah. because clubs like Cardiff, mm-hmm. Huddersfield, Burnley were losing as well. I think in a better division with a better overall standard, I don't, I'm not sure how well Bournemouth would do. Mm-hmm. And I'll be... I, um, I don't think they'll get rid of Eddie Howe but in a similar situation to Brighton will they get to a point where I don't know they outgrow Eddie Howe because I don't really know you just sort of stagnate yeah because unless you're Alex Ferguson there's only you know your message is only going to go so far I just I don't know. I don't know. They're just a bit of a weird club, aren't mm. they? Where do they go from here? I mean, their sort of modus operandi is just being a Premier League club nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But also, they spend that. they like, spend there's, a there's lot of money, though. like that. And it's like, we've got the top six, and then we've got these clubs that we talked about, Everton and Leicester and Wolves. And then anyone below that, you just... Couldn't finish you, anyway. You, you're, yeah. just, you're trying to survive. And then once you survive for a few years, you're trying to join that, like, Everton-Leicester rank of club. And then what? Like, it's just sort of it. If they lose, because like Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson had yeah. amazing seasons. They were incredible. They yeah. were absolutely quality. And they still finished, what, 14th? Mm-hmm. If they lose Wilson, if it, Fraser's, I think he's been linked with Arsenal, hasn't he? Wilson's yeah. been linked with Chelsea, possibly, if the transfer van gets overturned. I do think they spend well, though. But and they spend, and they, and also, but also they, they spend, spend a lot. lot. Yeah. They spent like 30 million on Jefferson Lerma last summer. But he's been decent. Yeah, he's been decent. I mean, Ake yeah. was 20 million. They yeah. can easily double their profit. David Brooks is going to go for 40 million eventually. Yeah. No, you they, know, they, they are intelligent on that. But as we're saying that, does that not mean that they should be finishing higher? Yeah, I agree. So, but that's what we mean. How out? Yeah, yeah. Get him out. Yeah. <laughs> Arsenal been linked with Ryan Fraser recently, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> I just like if you when you because Arsenal have been linked to him, so I'm sure Phil's done the same. Like when you watch all of his goals and assists through, like every single one is just like on the counter attack. He's running. He's got space to move into. Yeah. And <laughs> well. You support Man City. You've seen how teams play against the top mm. teams. They, they, Arsenal have a problem against teams that come and, and sit on their own 18-yard yeah. line. And, and not, Ryan Fraser's not going to help in mm. games like that very much. I had a quick look at the stats and he averages... His dribbles are... For a winger, he hardly dribbles. It's <laughs> less than one a game. Success rate, which is just crazy because you think this small pocket rocket is going to be taking players on all the yeah. time. But it's all of his creation is from crossing. Uh, whether that be set pieces or just cutting back in and crossing which is the complete opposite of what Arsenal need we need someone who can just burn a full back because we probably have the slowest team in, of this century mm. like trudging through midfield <laughs> on the break it's painful so <laughs> if we can get him on the cheap I'd be I'd be open to it but I think he'll, he'll renew it's honestly. not a ringing endorsement no is yeah. it? <laughs> uh, behind Bournemouth were their South Coast rivals Southampton Alex how impressed have you been with the job Ralph Harsenhutl has done yeah it's there? sort of before Harsenhut and after Harsenhut isn't it yeah. really it's, he's been absolutely sensational I think it's just I've, well I know someone in the Southampton squad and he was 
damning about Mark Hughes, mm. just about how dull and monotonous training was, just the life had been sort of sucked out of that club at the start of the season. And Hasenhut was come in and just completely transformed it, just sort of giving the players confidence, real like, arm around the shoulder manager. Obviously, it's not as simple as that. He's sort of got more advanced tactical ideas, the sort of high press that they do and high energy. But... And also credit to the way Southampton, the squad have sort of adapted to that mid-season. That that might, can't have been easy. Um, yeah, and he's sort of got Shane Long so- scoring, which is probably the <laughs> yeah. the biggest compliment. So, yeah, be, again, with a lot of these clubs, it would just be interesting to see what they how they kick on next year, really, because I think Hassan was a brilliant coach, and I, I mean, he should be at a better club than Southampton. I think yeah, so. I think that's um, a lot of like a lot of these jobs now. We talk about we spoke about Brendan Rodgers, Nuno. Like that's that's the thing. If that ceiling is there for those clubs, then it's just an audition for the managers. Yeah. And Hasenhut was definitely one of those that could go to a real big club. I think one day, and they've gone back to like this. Southampton was successful by using this brilliant academy. Yeah. And Mark Hughes just sort of ignored yeah. it, and they've gone back to that now. Like Jan Valery's been really good mm-hmm. since he came in. Michael Obafemi played a few times before Matt he got Target. injured. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's just the way they should operate. Play to your strengths. I feel like they've been brave again though as well because they they had that they sacked Adkins and everyone was fuming because they mm. brought Pochettino in, but he was a brilliant appointment. Ronald Koeman was was really good for them, and then they they brought in Puel and then they had Pellegrino and it was just the complete opposite of what they what they built their success on but now they've gone for I think they're it fell into place that Hasenhutter was out of a job but you know he's a, he's had previous at RB Leipzig and now they were just like right let's just go back to what we mm-hmm. we used to do and I think that will pay dividends for them moving forward after a few years of, of terrible decision making so mm-hmm. Uh, another team who looks like pretty strong contenders for relegation at one point was Burnley. Uh, they stayed up in the end. Do you think Sean Dyche is in the sort of similar position to Eddie Howe that they're going to sort of outgrow him eventually if they want to? Yeah, I think it, stay in the Premier League long term. I was convinced that they'd go down this season, yeah. mainly because of the Europa League, and it's probably a blessing in disguise that they didn't go any further <laughs> than they did. But I just, I don't know with Burnley. I think they. This is going to sound incredibly patronising, so apologies, but. They know what they are. <laughs> I think they're, they like that, though. Yeah, yeah. and exactly. Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, they're sort of, they know they're not like a progressive, ultra attacking. Let's get the ball down, play type of team. They're Burnley. Mike Bassett. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Sean Dyche is keeping in the Premier League. They shouldn't. They should not be in the Premier League for the size of club they are. And I think they know that. So if they finish seventeenth every year, then brilliant, mm-hmm. really. And I think Sean Dyche is man to do that isn't it he's shown that he can drag that squad out of it so not a man to mince his worms <laughs> uh, fourth bottom of the table is Brighton what do you make of that decision of them to to sack Chris Hewton I, I think it's the right call and I think it's the right call for everybody I Brighton came up that, well they were I think third bottom of the championship when Chris Hewton took over a few years ago uh, he, he kept him up he took him up to the Premier League and they've reached the playoffs in his first full season and then didn't go up and then they did go up the second season um, and then the Premier League last year uh, the first year sorry in the Premier League like survival is fine but the second year they've spent a lot of money and they've got worse and they've not only got worse from season to season but also throughout the season they were clinging on the last few months to any point they could get hold of mm. uh, they just could not get a win 
And yeah, I they've do, got some good players, Brian, as well. Yeah, they have. The and there's yeah. the thing they've spent money as they well. They have spent money, yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's money well spent too, a lot of it. I think Basuma looks like a real player. Mm. Pascal Gross is good, isn't he? Yeah, it? Pascal Gross had a great first season last year. And I think this is the difference between Burnley and Brighton is are you a club that's like, yeah, we'll stay in the Premier League and that's our ceiling, we'll never be better than that, but that's fine. Or are you a club that's like, no, we can work harder and work smarter and actually we can climb the table and maybe in a couple of years we make Europe and this is the decision of a club that in a few years wants to be in well, Europe. They've got Dan Ashworth, haven't they, yeah. now? He used to be at the FA, he was mm. sort of the main guy behind mm. the, the St George's Park and everything. They're very but, data-driven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And looking at the numbers from this season, it was not a surprise at all that um, yeah. they uh, they moved on Chris Hutton but he did a, a brilliant job he'll get a job as well yeah and he's, yeah, it's, it's win-win and he's coming out with his like he's coming out with his head out yeah of really. course yeah, Brighton are going to push forward They're, they've got by all accounts they've got one of the best training grounds in the country it's really close to London which is a big pull for a lot mm-hmm. of like foreign players yeah. so I, I, there's no reason with all that why they shouldn't be pushing forward so I th- yeah I think it's probably the right Graham Potter's been linked isn't he from Swansea. Yeah, I think that would just, be a really, yeah. really smart appointment because yeah, yeah. he's been given nothing at Swansea and he's done a really good job there so that yeah. seems like a logical step up. Mm. I, I just think, yeah, and with Chris Hutton, it just reached its natural end. Yeah, Sometimes these things do and it doesn't mean someone... Yeah, it doesn't mean he's failed. It just means, yeah. Just because they've decided to, to move on with yeah. him doesn't mean he's done a bad job. Four and a half years is a long time yeah, nowadays as is, well. So really I think and people look past that. He'll get a job at uh, an ambitious championship club yeah, or, uh, West a, Brom, or I think, a Premier League club yeah, yeah, next season. Yeah, apparently, so... Yeah. Well, the three teams going down were Cardiff, Fulham and Huddersfield. What do you think the three teams coming up from the Championship uh, for next season can learn from what? Don't spend oh. £100 million in one window <laughs> and buy three goalkeepers. Or, yeah. or do, but or just do. spend it wiser. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Huddersfield, they should have gone down last season. Mm. So I, th- I think everyone knew that they were going to go down. Cardiff... Personally, I think they did as well as they could have done. Obviously, the Emiliano Salah tragedy in mm-hmm. January really sort of rocked everyone in football, not just them. So the way that they've sort of fought in the second half of the season, I think, is amazing. They're, for me, they're a sort of mid-table championship squad. So for Warnock to get them up and sort of do as well as they can, take it to the second-to-last game of the season, I think it's just incredible. And Fulham... I think have been the joke well they've been the joke of the season really haven't they mm. the amount of money they spent in the summer they just completely ripped up the way they played from last year and their squads yeah so I think I think they finish 8th at the start of the season so I'll so, yeah. wrong about that one sack your manager don't spend all this money and then sack your manager after 3 months like you either you can't fully trust him that much in August and by October November like no there's no way this is going to work out <laughs> You wonder how Fulham would have done if they just kept the core of that team that came yeah. from the Championship together. And, and just bought, just like, a, a Seri, maybe yeah. Schürrle, maybe Callum Chambers. Mm. You know, if they just left it at that. But that's it. It's like, it's not the, the issue that... The issue isn't that they spent money, it's how poorly they spent it. It's like, why are you buying, like Alex said, three goalkeepers and spending £30 million on on Gisa from Marseille, who mm. was, you know, average, so average. I mean, at least Seri had, like some big clubs interested in him before mm-hmm. 
you know, and Ryan Babel came in in January and he's been their player of the season. Yeah. Why? I, I like him, but why do they sign Luciano Vieto? Yeah. Yeah. He's Mi- gone to Sporting now. Mi- Mitrovic. But... Mitrovic is. Yeah. It's a really good Premier League striker. He scored way more goals than you should score for a relegated yeah. club this season. I think he'll get a move this summer. Yeah, they'll so. lose a lot. They'll lose a lot of players this year. But it just didn't make any sense it's like they weren't even looking at their squad when they were deciding what players mm. to sign like there was no process like oh what positions do we actually mm. need and, and also the way they off the pitch the way they treated their fans by hiking up ticket prices yeah. so much is a disgrace really so yeah. they apologies for them fans but you deserve to go down for that <laughs> well yeah chance to rebuild again now isn't it under Scotty Parker yeah. uh, it's time to hand out our end of season awards we're already a bit over time so we'll, uh, we'll rattle through this quickly uh, play with the season uh, Raheem Sterling Bernardo Silva Ed Hazard well I'll go for Virgil van Dijk then. <laughs> <laughs> manager of the season which uh, was of course won by Pep Guardiola at the LMA awards last night so Pep Guardiola like that sway your judgement in any way Jürgen Klopp Klopp for me as well yeah. I'll go for Guardiola Guardiola for me as well signing of the season uh, I'm going to go for James Madison or Allison. Was Madison last summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah from Norwich. Norwich yeah. Yeah. yeah, or Allison. Yeah, uh, Felipe Anderson. I'm not sure. You know, I'm really. I'm going to say Allison. What do you think? Pick a name, Phil. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to go David Brooks. <laughs> yeah, that's Why not? Good I, I, I think yeah, I'm good a huge profit on him. Yeah. And I think he's a really good player. And to, to pick him up for like 10 million, 11 million, yeah. I think they've done a good job there. Yeah. So I think he'll, he'll be a really good prospect in the future. What was your disappointment of the season? It can be a player, a manager, a team? Fulham. Fulham. I think I had an eighth or ninth yeah, as well. And I just, well. yeah, they were just the complete joke from day one. Oh, no, they won like 3 1 on the opening day, didn't they? And then from yeah. then, they were just absolute crap so. <laughs> I, I just have like how how bad the bottom teams were like, mm. four points from games against the top six and three of those were Cardiff on the last day <laughs> from the three relegated clubs yeah um, I'll go with the top four race it was terrible. Was yeah. Awful. I think there was Collapsing like two, over two, the line. two wins between four teams in about thirteen games, which is awful. Um, and they're all in the European final, so apart, <laughs> apart from Man United, which is great. Surprise of the season. It was the emergence of Wan Bissaka for me. Mm. I hadn't heard of him at the start of the season, yeah. and now I think he should probably be starting for England at right back. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, ahead of Alexander Arnold. Uh, oh yeah, good shout. <laughs> in the squad, anyway. <laughs> Uh, I thought there'd be a title race this year I thought there'd be a title race because Man City would never get close to 100 points again because I just don't think it should happen that anyone can get 100 points so I thought like there'd be a title race on like 85 88 90 points for both for two teams to be a win away from 100 points I can't believe it I think Wolves have been a, a big surprise for me um, but I'll say how good Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson were mm. I think mm. Uh, I was reading up on it and they were only two goals away from becoming the most productive Premier League partnership mm. in history so it's pretty good going for Bournemouth yeah <laughs> well the biggest surprise to me was not the fact that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was back managing the Premier League but the fact he's managing Manchester United <laughs> yeah. Yeah. out by Christmas <laughs> out by Christmas uh, lastly goal of the season uh, Fabian Scher against Burnley for mm. Newcastle the one that, was that in off the post yeah in off the yeah. bar from like 30 yards mm. out um, I well, Townsend against City, or not in the Premier League, but Eden Hazard's against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup mm. when he went past about that was very five nice. people. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I'll say I was going to say Townsend, but I'll, I'll throw in Arsenal v Fulham. Ramsey's goal. The the team. No, terrible defender. Awful defender. Doesn't even Doesn't matter. That was that was the second best goal Arsenal scored that month. The one against Leicester. The one against Leicester. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously Vincent Company for me. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No right. way. Yeah, well, yeah. There you go. Still screaming. Still screaming. <laughs> well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you to Phil, Alex, and Lewis. Thank you to you for listening at home. We'll be back next Thursday when we're going to be reviewing the Bundesliga season, the La Liga season, and the Serie A season in one big bumper package so get yourself down for that and we'll see you then